All right, this is another part of our multi-part series where we're interviewing Hernandez, trying to help him with his newbie uh, home purchase. And we're going to be answering some simple Q&A from him, questions about neighborhood quality, and it'll just be a continue, continuation of where we left off last week. Welcome to the Be For Yari podcast, where you learn how to make your job optional. I'm your host, John, who's just getting started on his journey. But in the last year, I moved across the country, bought four apartments, make money as a landlord, no longer pay rent, and I have my first child. I'm joined by your co-host and my guide, Tony Angotti, who in five years quit his job and now manages over 80 units through a combination of house hacks, flips, and partnerships. So with that, let's jump into how you can do less of what you have to do and more of what you want to do. Yep. So then I guess uh, if we move along into like a third segment here, um, let's say you bought the place or you went under contract. What are some questions you have like next? Like, what are you going to do? Like you're under contract on a place, you're buying it in 60 days. What questions do you have related to that? Well, I guess my first questions would be like, am I getting a lemon? Right. (laughs) Sponsored by this segment is sponsored by lemons. Uh, Cal- where, where do you grow lemons? Venture California. California. Sunkiss. Ah, there you go. Sp- <laughs> sponsored by Sunkiss Lemons. I'm actually, I've been considering making lemoncello and I might need you to send me some organic lemons because I'm going to try out a whole bunch of different recipes. I'm Italian. I feel like I need to learn how to do some <laughs> sort of Italian novelty so that people come over and they're like, hey, Tony, what do you got for me? What's cool about your house? And I'm like, well, I don't have very many cool things about me. But I've got this great lemoncello recipe. Here you go. Uh, so, I feel like I owe you one after this podcast. So I feel like I, I have to ship you some lemons from California. Yeah, but not these kind of lemons that you're talking about, <laughs> like with the houses. Um, yeah, I mean, to make sure that you don't have a lemon, you'd go through all your due diligence on the property. Like what? Your property inspection, right, John? Your property inspection. Can That's- I trust those guys, though? Like the people that are doing it. <laughs> Everything like I, I always wonder like can I trust the people that are doing the appraiser? Can I trust the people that are doing the inspection? Like can I is it like do I have to stay on top of all of those things even though I have no experience for any of those things? You should go like physically go to the inspection and just follow the dude around and ask questions or lady whatever whoever's doing it I don't know. Um, but can you trust them? I mean that's like when people say. Like you'll be talking about the government and you'll be like, well, they should do this. And then somebody says, oh, politicians are corrupt. And it's like, okay, well, if we go, we, if we go on this with the basis that everyone's corrupt, then we can't really do anything. No plans work. It doesn't really matter. So this is a stupid conversation. But it's like, can you trust them? I mean, interview them, look up like reviews online. If they have a bunch of one star reviews that say this person was terrible, blah, 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 blah then obviously don't hire that person. But generally speaking, I mean, they have licensing requirements in most areas and everything like that. So you can reasonably trust them, but you do want to physically go on site for the, um, for the, for the home inspection, because then you'll be able to ask questions. And when they have somebody looking over their shoulder, they usually do a more thorough job anyway. Um, If you can't go, then not a huge deal. You just want to know that that's a limitation in their analysis, right? You didn't get to ask questions. All the information they provide to you is sitting there in a vacuum. Like it just gets put down on a piece of paper and on their paper, they're always doing like a CYA. So it's always going to look, everything's going to look like an issue. When you talk to them, 
you can be like, hey, yeah, this is something that isn't great, but is it really that big of a deal or is it not? And then they'll, they'll talk a lot more openly with you when you're there than they will after it's like written on the report. Um, but can you trust them? I mean, generally speaking, most of those people operate on a referral basis. So like if you have a bad experience and their business isn't going to flourish, so you being able to trust them and them doing a good job, that's that's how they build their business. So mm -hmm. th they're incentivized to do a good job. The other thing you need to realize, though, is the limitation of inspections in general. Like most inspections, they're not allowed to open up walls. They're not allowed to like do a bunch of stuff. It's just a visual inspection. They're just looking at what they can see. They're turning the water on and off. It's really kind of like stuff. I mean, like you could go through if you were licensed to do it and do all. You wouldn't be as experienced. It would be as good. But a lot of the stuff you could do very similar things. But the real benefit is that they're going through. They've seen a lot of different houses. They're gonna t they're gonna compare it to the other houses and tell you what's normal and what's not normal. Um, a good one will. A good one will tell you like this is a problem, but this is a problem that's in every house yes. that I see. Yeah. And then you'll know like okay, well uh, I'm not gonna worry about it because another house that I'm gonna find is gonna have the same crap. That that sort of thing. Um, and, and, and what I want to get with this is is just like are the I guess the question behind this is. Are there costs that I'm not aware of? And part of it could be because I could be getting a lemon. Part of it, it could be because I don't know about all the variables in a deal, right? Like kind of like, is there any closing costs that I'm not considering other than right. the down payment? And, you know. Okay. So, yeah. So, but sticking on the property inspection for a second and risks to you, just remember when you do it that it's a visual inspection. The walls can't be open. So, there are limitations there. However, you should always go to your home inspection when possible to make sure that you can ask questions and go over stuff. So that's the inspection part. On the cost side, your realtor, at least in Pennsylvania, is required to give you a cost estimate, which is really kind of like, I think it's stupid that I have to do it because I don't have any of the specific costs. It's just like, I guess. But once you start working with a, um, a lender, a mortgage broker or a bank, just ask them for a cost sheet. Ask them for like, hey, before I offer on this, can you give me an estimated cost sheet? And then you should know all of the different costs that will be associated with buying a house. And then the other person you mentioned was an appraiser. So you should generally trust the appraiser because they're not even working for you, really. They're working for the bank to be able to tell the bank, like, is this a smart thing for us to lend on? If this person defaults on their payment, will we still get the value back? So, like, they have a much bigger responsibility to someone that can sue them that has a lot more money than you do <laughs> to fight that legal battle. Like, you know, something that you you can generally trust most appraisers, I think. I think appraisers are more often annoying because they undervalue stuff in a rising market yeah. than they are annoying because they make up some value that doesn't exist. Yeah, I wouldn't worry about the appraiser at all. I think your realtor should be directing you in the in the area of things to look out for in the neighborhood. You know, they know the neighborhood you're buying in. They know common issues. Oh, houses built during this decade in this area have uh, galvanized plumbing, and that's a problem, right? And that, a good realtor should direct you in those high-level areas and also be pointing you into a, a home inspector that they know and trust. Uh, Tony's definitely... Yeah, and, you, and you can always vet that home inspector, too, like... Take the realtor's recommendation 
and then interview that home inspector yourself too. Oh, interesting. How do you do that? Fine. Oh, how do you do what? How are you going to interview a home inspector? What do you mean? How are you going to interview them? Before you pay them, you're going to call them and ask them a bunch of questions. Okay. What? Yeah, I mean, like when you when you schedule, like you know, you can ask like we we buy mostly commercial properties and we're looking for like a commercial property inspector. So we always say like, you know, general questions like how many of these properties have you inspected in the past year? Uh, how many properties have you inspected are like this? What, what mix of properties do you generally do? Do you do rest? Do you do mostly residential? Do you do mostly commercial? Do you do mostly buildings or multifamily? Like what's your usual thing? Can you send me a sample of the report that you provide on a real prop? Like, on an actual property, you can black out the address and crap. I don't care, but just send me an example of what your report says. Like, how long have you been doing this? Who are you licensed through? Like, are you, you know, where do you live? It's like some of these inspectors come like in Pittsburgh. I've had inspectors on listings come from New York. And it's like, well, if you come from New York, like, how are you supposed to tell people what's common for the area? Like, you're, good for you that you have enough of a reach to get business here, but that's bogus. And like, I mean, just all these kind of questions. Like, do you have any past customers that I could talk to? It depends how far you want to take it. But, you know, I personally, I don't really care who I get for my own inspections because where I am in my career, the inspection is really just an excuse to spend five, six hours in a commercial building and look at stuff. Because if I really wanted to, I could go and turn faucets on and off, put outlet checkers in <laughs> blah 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 but for somebody who's never bought a house it's like you really want somebody who knows what they're looking at and if you don't interview that person to find out their level of experience then it's like you know you're just at the mercy of whoever they are your realtor should be able to give you a good recommendation to begin with and then you should be able to confirm that that was a good recommendation through your interview that's so the real key at this stage then is to make sure i had a good realtor to begin with so what are other good ways to find a good realtor because okay let's say i have i have these guys that i found from redfin and zillow right how do i get out of that do i just you know, did you sign a contract talk to about no i haven't signed anything yet then you just find somebody else or you google this person you go you could, I do that I told I gave you one way. <laughs> I gave you I gave you two ways, bro. Number one, <laughs> number one, you can go online, look up their look up their reviews. Um, that's one thing. Like, and then find people who have the most re- the most good reviews, not like ten five star reviews. Somebody who has like 50, 50 five star reviews. You want that? But I mean, Whether- like, is there a website that I can see a list of realtors? I told you Zillow, bro. Zillow yeah, but like, I I understand, but like that. <laughs> Chances are, you I'm know, just messing with you. Uh, um, yeah, what is, Zillow is like good. A- Zillow is good. You could just do like a Google search for just realtors in the area. Um, Redfin that you have ratings on Redfin as an agent. There's uh, Realtor.com has some ratings, but any of these people, like I would just use all of those because I know personally, like I collect most of my reviews on Zillow. I probably have way like I think I have 90 whatever five star reviews. But if you go on realtor.com, I don't have I probably have like one because I don't tell my customers to review me on realtor.com because most customers don't search for a realtor on realtor.com. They go on Zillow, they type in agent finder and they find somebody that way. My website has reviews on it too, but I haven't updated my website reviews in two and a half years. So the reviews on my website are like poor, whatever. But so that's one way if you're passively looking. Another way is just the personal referrals. Like 
if you know somebody that bought a house there, ask them for their agent. Like, hey, who'd you use? Were you happy? That's how most agents get their business. Like, that's how I get a lot of my business. I send stuff to my past customers. My past customers send me people because they were happy. New people are happy. New people send you new customers. That's how you build your business as a realtor. It's a big way. Um, so like that'd be one thing. Number three, not trying to sell myself to you. I really don't even want to do it. But you could you could <laughs> you could ask another agent, like, hey, can you go find me agents in this area and interview them? Like if you knew somebody you trusted, but they lived, they were a realtor in Colorado and the person you're like, hey, you sell 50 houses a year in Colorado. You don't know my market, but you know what makes a good realtor that can sell that, that can take care of customers to build a business in that way. Can you help me find a realtor in my area? And like, you know, that'll be a good fit. And then that person, like when I'm interviewing agents for my family members that are out of state or friends that are like out of state buying a place, I know what questions to ask the agent. Like it's, I do it. So it's like, I know, hey, what makes you good at your job? Because I work with bad agents. I work with good agents. I work with mediocre agents. I work with agents that are better than me. Everything like that. So it's like, well, let's not say better than me. You got to have a little bit of an ego to do this job. Um, (laughs) But but no, so like somebody can help you if you know someone like that. And then you can, you know, questions to ask would be like, how many sales have you done in the past 12 months? Um, Where are your reviews so that I can read them? How much experience do you have looking at the type of property that I'm looking at? You know, and then just any other questions that you have to just assess a personal fit, like ask questions about that. Like, you know, if I want to see a house tomorrow, how are you going to get me in? And it's like, sometimes ask me that. And I'm like, well, I, I have a team. If you're comfortable working in this way, like I don't, my schedule might be booked out a week. I don't know if I can drop everything I'm doing to show you a house tomorrow. Maybe, I don't know, not always, but I have a team because <laughs> my team members can show it to you tomorrow. And then I'm around to also help with like answers, questions, everything. So you might have somebody else opening the door, but I didn't just like drop you off. And you basically have two agents working for you versus one. But then at the same time, I also tell people like, if you don't want to work as a team concept, I'll work with you directly. That's fine. But you have to understand that it might take me three or four days to get into a house. And in that case, what you value is working with me directly in my experience. Because most of the time, an agent who's experienced isn't going to have the availability to drop what they're doing and show you a house the same day. They, they might say they do, but when push comes to shove, they probably don't. It, well, you don't. So, unless to, they're working. Right? Like, no, because then that means they're not busy. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, that's, you know, that's how the meat is made a little bit, right? I guess um, behind the scenes. But yeah, I think. I think first starting out just with a basic online search for reviews, agents in different areas. If you can't even find them online, then it's like, what are they doing? What are they doing? Yeah. Yeah, And they're either, they're either 75 years old and are operating strictly on referrals or they just aren't marketing their business right if they're not on the internet as a realtor. Yeah, I mean, the the other thing we talked about is finding an agent who's uh, got te- uh, clients that are doing what you want to do on a very specific level. So, uh, you know, since you want to do house hacking and some of that stuff, I would I would consider looking at bigger pockets and looking through there and seeing if you can find people that are active in the forums and they're answering questions uh, related to your zip code about you know those kind of things you want to do. I want to do an ADU. I want to do a lock in. I want to mm-hmm. you know flexible airbnb situation 
And Here's another easy answer for you. Sorry, John. No, go for it. You on? Are you on Facebook, Hernandez? Yeah. Definitely. You on? You're on the Book of Face. You have yeah, one. Are sure. you still on the my? Are you still on the my face? No. Anyways, um, <laughs> so if you go on Facebook, join like a community group for whatever community you're looking at living in, like Hawthorne. Like, let me search. I'm on Facebook. I'll search Hawthorne, California. There is a couple groups here. You're probably from Hawthorne, California, if uh, has 7,500 people. Like, there's these different groups, and you can just join these groups, um, and then you can ask questions in there and say, like, hey, I'm looking for a local realtor. I'm thinking about buying a house in Hawthorne. And all these people that already live there are going to give you a bunch of names. And then you can interview those names. You're probably going to have more agents that self-promote themselves than you will have people giving you names. But still, that's somebody in that area that's telling you, I work here, talk to me. So then you can interview all those people. Like, I mean, that's an easy way. I like that. I like that a lot. That's good advice. Uh, I was also thinking about using something like the the Ring app just to kind of and monitor that area, just to have an, a, an idea of safety in the area and things like that. Kinda. Yeah, that's cool. That's a good idea. What, what else would you do to try to figure out? Because Hawthorne specifically, you know, they're transitioning and I keep hearing that there are good parts and there are parts that are not as safe. What is, how do you do this, an assessment other than, you know, going to the neighborhood and driving around and like, is that a report, a resource that I can get? There's crime blotter sites for a lot of areas like uh, where you can, like it'll show where the crimes were. That's yeah. like a useful thing online. Um, I know some people have actually like called the police departments before. I don't know how much info they'll give you, but some police departments probably depends who you get on the phone might tell you stuff um like yeah but publicly available just data passively not talking to someone like i think those crime blotter sites are more useful than just the crime maps because the crime blotters actually show you like the individual event so you'll see like obviously if you see like jaywalking it's not really that big of a deal but if you see like triple murder theft murder then it's like this Maybe it was just a bad day, but I don't know. So it's like, happening. Yeah. <laughs> so crime blotter sites are useful. And then just assessing a neighborhood in general. Couple things I tell people to do if you don't know. First thing, you can kind of virtually drive around on Google Street View. And obviously if you see a bunch of like board ups and stuff, probably not a great part of town. And then if you're actually driving around though. If you're driving around a holiday, like if you're driving around Christmas or Halloween or whatever, and you see a bunch of decorations out on the street, usually a good thing, because that means people are like invested in their community. If you see the decorations still out in March for Christmas, probably not a great thing. Um, (laughs) But if you see like decorations out and everything, um, that's usually a good thing. You a lot of times looking at like vehicles is useful too. not necessarily that they're like expensive vehicles or not expensive vehicles, but just that they look like they're maintained, that they have moved, that they've moved from the spot that they've been in sometime in the past three days, mm-hmm. probably a, a good, good option. And then the other thing too, is looking at like, I look a lot at the roofs on the houses on a street because like, if I see a lot of new roofs, 
on a street, that means that the people are actually investing in their houses because a roof is a fairly expensive investment. So if I see a lot of newer roofs, that means that people are committed to their house. And usually people who have stayed in a co- communities that have people who have lived there for a while are usually better communities. And, but if I see a bunch of like roofs that are just old and crappy and falling apart, then that usually means that people don't care as much about their house or I mean, it doesn't, not always, but just generally speaking, like if their house, if the houses look better maintained, that generally means it's a better area than if they don't look very well maintained. 